0: You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Kush Parikh and Corey Johnson. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds, that's K-N-O-W-S bleeds, Instagram at The Nosebleeds, and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The Nosebleeds.
1: Face all your at me so many on back streets. Sit so high in the nose Feel like
0: I can fly. Yo, what up everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's KNOWS Bleeds mm. It's your boy. You already know it's your boy Kush And I'm here as always with my co-host, Corey Johnson. Corey, how are you doing, my man?
1: Uh long, 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 long week uh but i mean ready to get it started ready to get it popping um glad to be back on the nosebleeds podcast you already know the deal and ready to talk sports with my man kush yes sir
0: let's do it let's get into it we got the nba last episode we talked about all-star weekend and all the events going on and we talked about our uh starters that we were going to predict Corey actually went 100 percent on his predictions he hit all of his predictions for his starters i went 90 percent. i missed one and uh, they announced the head coaches for the all-star teams quinn snyder from the jazz is coaching team lebron and doc rivers from the 76ers is coaching team durant and today we're going to give our all-star reserve predictions for both conferences because that will be announced sometime this week and this is voted by the coaches so let's get into it. Each uh conference will have two guards, three front court, and two wild card players, which is basically any player, any position. Let's start off with the Eastern Conference. We got two guards. Which two guards are you going with, Corey? Uh,
1: I gotta go with uh dude out of Chicago, Zach Levine for sure, and then gotta go with James Harden, fear the beard harden. Uh gotta get him that nod as well.
0: Yeah, I got James Harden as well. I mean, he was my starter. I thought he'd make a starter, but I'm not mad that Kyrie made it over him. It was toss up between them two and then zach levine dude is balling putting the bulls on his back right now they're actually in the eighth seat so they're in the playoff hunt right now and zach levine this guy is only 25 years old and he is hooping out of his damn mind all right let's move on to the front court we got three front court players i got jason tatum I got Demonte Sabonis and a surprise one. I
1: got Nikola Vucevic. Who do you have for your three front court players? It's actually not surprising because I do have both Tatum and Vucevic, but I'm going to throw somebody in there that you probably wouldn't expect. I'm going to throw in Jeremy Grant in there as well to get a reserve all-star nod. Interesting.
0: Jeremy Grant. Okay.
1: That's, I uh... a toss it for me because I couldn't decide between Jeremy Grant or to go with Julius Randle but I was like let me give my man Jeremy Grant some shine
0: well then who do you got for the two wild card spots
1: I'm gonna go with Trey Young and Jalen Brown
0: okay yeah I got Jalen Brown as well but I'm gonna go with Julius Randle just what he's been able to do this season taking everyone by surprise we'll get a little bit into it but let's talk about a little bit a little bit about these guys so James Harden we said basically I think he's a lock a reserve Zach Levine out of his mind uh, Jason Tatum we both have him I mean he's having a career year and he just seems to be getting better and becoming one of the best two-way players he's already in the conversations with guys like Jimmy Butler Paul George and you can even some people even argue that he's better than both of those guys and I think those, those two guys are superstars in this league right now. And then Nikola Vucevic, free Vooch. Please free Vooch. Get him out of Orlando. Someone go trade for him. He, like, I guess Orlando's just content with being a bottom dwelling seed in the Eastern Conference and they're just going to be there every time. But Nikola Vucevic is such an underrated baller that I need him to, like, I need him somewhere else other than Orlando so he can actually compete and contend. I mean, there was one year where Laker fans were like,
1: "Sign Vucevic." <laughs> it was that bad for the Laker fans. They were like, "Yo, let's just sign Vucevic." Yeah, like, I
0: remember a time when the Laker man. fans were like, "That's still kind of like that now." But they yeah, were like, "Get yeah. LaMarcus Aldridge, get Carmelo yeah, Anthony, exactly, get Vucevic." Exactly, I remember that. Exactly. And then uh, Demontis Sabonis. You went with Jeremy Grant. Why you choose get Jeremy Grant?
1: Uh, I just feel like he's like legitimately the best player on the Pistons, which ain't really saying a whole lot because I know like (laughs) that's a bad team. Absolutely. It's a bad team. But he's showed me that like from the season that he had a year ago with the Denver Nuggets, where he was a nice, solid role player to now he's having, like you said, a career year. Um, Like I just wasn't expecting that out of him to. For him to be up there amongst like some of the the the, the well-known guys in the league as far as scoring-wise, I did not know that Jeremy Grant can get down and dirty like that. But I mean, he's he's doing the best that he can. I mean, obviously he's on a really bad team right now. Uh, but overall, I felt like once he made once he signed that uh, that contract in the offseason, I felt like he his. His production it was not going to go up; it was going to pretty much stay the same, or if not, get worse. So I wasn't really expecting a whole lot out of Jeremy Grant, and he's kind of pretty much taken me by surprise. So I feel like the guy's got to get a reward of an All Star nod for me.
0: Yeah, and that's—I mean, for me, it's Demontis Sabonis. So that's that third front court spot. I mean, you talk about putting a team on his back. I mean, yeah, he has Brogdon, but I mean, they lost Oladipo, and they were—they got Karis Lavert in return, but Lavert is still uh, yet to play and the paces are still the fourth seed in the Eastern conference. And that's because of the Sabonis, just basically what he's been able to do is guy can literally do it all on the offensive end. One of the best and underrated facilitating big man in the league. He can shoot from anywhere on the court. And he is an underrated rebounder because he will bang down low with the best big man Two wild cards We both had Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown having a career year for the Celtics, um, and honestly, I see a lot of Paul George in Jalen Brown. And it's kind of because just what he can do on both sides of the ball. And I'm talking about more of an Indiana Paul George, where he's that athletic high flyer who can guard your best player on the other team and can get you an instant bucket. That That's Jalen Brown. Just to see him blossom from in the last two seasons to what he is now, I think he definitely deserves an all-star nod. And then for Julius Randle, I mean – this guy he's he he's one of the candidates for most improved players just what he's been able to do I'll get a little bit into him later but well uh, you had Trey Young why is that
1: yeah Um, I went with Trey Young um, just because you look at like the top guards uh, in the Eastern Conference and I think it, everybody kind of like right now is kind of forgetting about Trey Young and really forgetting about the Atlanta Hawks at the moment but he's still averaging like some really good solid numbers, to be honest with you. I think it's just mainly the fact that uh, he's kind of undersized, obviously. And, uh, but he does get, he does, you know, I feel deserved the all-star nod just because of he's definitely improved and his numbers and the way that he's going at the moment, the way that he's playing at the moment, I feel he should get that, that potential all-star nod if, you know, either Levine or Harden can't, uh, be on the, the team or whatever.
0: I liked me some Trey Young, but after watching this season, I'm starting to like him less and less. <laughs> I get a lot. I'm like, dude, just foul hunts, and it it, it annoys me. But yeah, he is pretty hey, I numbers. mean, like,
1: he he learned from the best. He learned from James Harden. Yeah, but that shit me.
0: is not fun to watch as an NBA fan. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the Western Conference two guards. Who do you have?
1: I'm going with Dame Lillard and Donovan Mitchell.
0: I'm right there with you. Uh, well, how come Dame Lillard and Donovan Mitchell?
1: I got to go with D-Lill just because it was hard because I – I, the reason I didn't pick him for a starter was just because I felt like um, it was going to be difficult for him to be there because obviously Curry's playing the way that he's playing. And I felt like if you, you know, had to pick between Curry and, and Lillard, I felt like he, Lillard – I mean, Curry was probably going to get the nod over him. So I got to go with Dane Willard because he's having a great year. Portland's, you know, not playing too bad, despite all the injuries that they've had this season. They still are, you know, definitely surprise me. Contender. Definitely surprised um, me. And then meanwhile, Donovan Mitchell, I mean, got to go with Donovan Mitchell because I feel like he's the main component as to why the Utah Jazz are atop of the Western Conference and atop the league with the best record right now. And I don't think anybody really expected that especially after the season that they had uh, last year in the bubble and the way that they went out. Um, But overall, kudos to Donovan Mitchell. And I don't know if it was them losing in game seven in the bubble. I don't know if it was the comments that Shaq made, but he's been balling. He's been taking it very personally, as Michael Jordan would say, and he's just going out there and just trying to be the best player on the court every single night. And I, I got to give him an all-star nod for that. Absolutely
0: yeah D-Lil I think I mean if he was in the conversation for a starter and so he's definitely a lock to be a reserve and then Donovan Mitchell like you said leading the number one team in the NBA record wise currently so he's definitely got to get the nod three front court players I'm gonna go with Paul George Anthony Davis who's probably going to be injured so he'll have a reserve or he'll have a replacement and then Rudy Gobert who do you have
1: Uh, I got you with uh, Paul George and Anthony Davis, but are y'all ready for this? Zion Williamson is going to be making an all-star appearance in his second year in the NBA. Yes, Zion Williamson, got to get that man in there. He is absolutely dominating right now. The Pelicans are still a so-so average team, I feel, but Zion is playing out of his mind right now. He's playing bonkers, and I feel like that dude absolutely has to be punched in as a pick if whether it's ad not being able to be there or go bear or whatever you got to put zion in there because i just feel like that dude definitely deserves an all-star nod for me
0: yeah uh so for my two wild cards i actually have zion williamson he's going to be there too and then devin booker who do you have for your two wild cards
1: I got Devin Booker. I feel like, you know, the Phoenix Suns, who I'll get into a little bit later, are definitely playing very well, very uh, underrated team at the moment, which is, you know, not a lot of people are talking about how well the Phoenix Suns are playing. And a good portion of that is because of Devin Booker and the play that he has been uh, demonstrating and displaying right now. He's been playing at a really high level. Meanwhile, I got to go with the dude who was an all-star, who made his first all-star appearance. uh, I think it was... Last season, or if not last season, maybe it was two seasons ago. But Brandon Ingram, uh, yes, last season. I think last he season. did. Bank, yeah, last season. Uh, I got to go with Brandon Ingram as a, as a wild card spot. Um, I just feel like Brandon Ingram uh, is on a bad team right now. But if he got traded to, like, a good team, he would definitely be able to to showcase his talent. Still has not been in the playoffs, which I think is, like, one of the things that I, can't, I cannot wait to see Brandon Ingram play in the postseason because I feel like that dude – is really starting to, ever since he got traded from the Lakers, he started to look more mature. He started to look um, more confident and just more uh, relaxed as a player. For so many times when he was on the Lakers, he still looked like he was trying to find himself. But ever since he's been in New Orleans, I felt like, especially with Zion going down with the, not being there last season, he got the chance to be able to be the primary scoring option. So that, put everything on his shoulders to have to score, have to dominate the ball, and have to find a bucket. And so now this season he's coming into it and it's no big deal. It's no problem. Um it'd be curious to see if the, the Pelicans decide decide to maybe like trade him because if they did like a contending team would absolutely lick their chops at the chance to get Brandon Ingram.
0: Yeah. Um and then for Anthony Davis, I'm pretty sure he's not gonna play. He's gonna be doubtful for the all-star game. So uh, I don't know if you picked a replacement for him, but I did. And I picked Shea Gilgis-Alexander. This one, this one's really hard to go with because you have a lot of guys, DeMar DeRozan, you have Chris Paul, you have Shea Gilgis-Alexander, De'Aaron Fox, all deserving of all-star team. But I just got to give it to Shea Gilders-Alexander, what he's been able to do. Um, his his shooting volumes have increased, but his efficiency has stayed the same or become even better. And what he's been able to do as a facilitator and given the team that he's on right now as well, too. So I, I got to give the nod to my man, SGA.
1: Uh, do you have a replacement for AD? If AD goes down, then that's what I'll probably put in Rudy Gobert because I didn't have him anywhere in <laughs> my conversation with players. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I guess the thing that you could argue against Rudy Gobert being an all-star is the fact that, like, he does not average – I think he averages less than 15 points a game. Yeah, I think he's yeah, He's, like it's right around twelve
0: around, points a game.
1: Yeah, like that's the only thing that you would kind of be like, <laughs> I don't know about that, but it's the defensive productivity that he provides. It's the he more that makes up what he lacks. Yeah, the, the impact today. that he has as far as you know the way that he influences a game and impacts a game, you could you know give him the nod for that reason. I would have no problem with that. You know, he is playing on the team that's the has the best record in the league, so I mean it just makes sense that you would uh, have him in there. So. I wouldn't have no problem if he if he got uh put in there, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, I definitely have him as one of the reserves. Um, but yeah, because of what he can do on the defensive end, do I agree that his contract should be what it be is right now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, uh, but I definitely do agree that he is one of the best big men in the league. Even though I mean, you have obviously Embiid and Jokic at the top of the top, but then uh, I think um go bears a tear under him just because like you said he can't really spread the floor but what he does on the defensive end he just got to put his hands up sometimes he doesn't even jump and he just affects a shot and forces guys that are that drive to have to pass it but his arms are so long that he could just steal the ball as well too so he's averaging career highs and blocks this season almost three a game which is absolutely insane so and it's definitely helped the the jazz have the best record in the league so that's why i got to give him the nod All right, but we are about a month and a half, almost two months into, actually we might even be two months into the season. So definitely over a third of the way of the regular season. So let's talk about some teams that have been surprising based on our predictions in the preseason and disappointing as well too. Let's start with a surprising team. Corey, which team this season has surprised you so far?
1: I gotta go with the Phoenix Suns just because it's not the fact that I'm surprised that they're playing well, because I mean, anytime you add a Chris Paul onto your team, the expectations definitely are going to go up for you. But it's the fact that they are a top five team in the Western Conference right now. I think they're currently sitting at the four spot right now at the moment. And you just look at the way that it's working between Paul and Booker. And I think people have always just been waiting for Devin Booker to have a guy who could facilitate him the basketball or be able to put him in the right spot so he doesn't have to bring the ball up, set up the offense in the half court, get everybody in play, you know, all that type of stuff, but be able to literally um, just play off ball a little bit and be able to get to his spots and then get buckets. And then meanwhile, you also have a guy down low in DeAndre Aiden, who is slowly but surely finding himself and not looking like a bad number one overall pick years later, if you think about it, because a lot of people were, have still gone back and said that the Phoenix Suns uh, made a huge mistake drafting DeAndre Ayton instead of Luka Doncic. I mean, take that as you will, but overall, I think it's working out perfectly for him because that is a guy that you need, especially come postseason time, to be able to protect the paint, especially when you might have to go up against a team that has a LeBron that loves to drive to the rim, and you know you're going to have to have somebody there to wall the freak up and just be a brick and not allow him to go ahead and just get whatever he wants. So I feel like that is a key asset for them. And those three, that big three right there is the main reason why I feel this team is playing well. And also shout out to the coaching, man. I mean, Monty Williams has really made this team into a legitimate force in the Western conference. And I thought they were going to be like a fringe playoff team, which I mean, it's the Western conference. So that could easily happen. And it's no, it's like, I said it i i believe when we were predicting the season the the teams that are like from four all the way down to maybe even like 11 could potentially swap out with each other like it's that close in the west and so i mean if if they still stay at this four spot all the way through to the end of the season then i think monty williams deserves coach of the year not but it will probably go to like quinn snyder or something like that
0: yeah, I can. the The Phoenix Suns have been amazing, and shout out to Chris Paul. I feel like this guy doesn't get talked about as one of the best point guards I mean, just because he doesn't exactly
1: OKC last year and his impact with the Suns this year. I mean, that you just, could even say the Rockets he makes too. He, he makes teams better. Like he really does make team. We talk about how LeBron makes team, He look Chris Paul makes teams better. Look at the impact that he had once he left the Clippers, and then how he left the Rockets, and now. You look at how he left the OKC Thunder, where they're currently at. I mean, this dude really has made the teams that he's been on playoff teams, and it's like, wow, this dude's impact is amazing. Chris, if Paul is- you
0: if you look at the the team the team's win percentage before the season with Chris Paul, and the, and then after they acquire Chris Paul, all of the teams that he's been on, their win percentage has gone up. So that just shows how impactful he is but the team that I'm going to go with that has surprised me by far are the New York Knicks. And I mean, are they back? Are they done being the laughingstock of the NBA? We call it the New York, the Mecca of basketball, but then you have the Knicks over there. So it's like controversial, but I mean, right now they're currently seventh in the East, 14 and 16, and they've beaten notable teams, trailblazers, warriors, Celtics, jazz, Pacers bucks. So, I mean, they've beat some contending teams and they're all being led by none other than Julius Randle, who I think is getting the all-star nod this season. But I mean, if I think if the Knicks can maintain this, uh, this place in the eastern conference and they actually make the playoffs we could even be talking about julius Randle being an all nba player maybe not the first team and second team but maybe the third team because right now he's averaging 23 points a game 11 rebounds five and a half assists with 48 41 80 shooting splits the one that impressed me the most is the 41 percent from three point because i did not know that julius <laughs> Randle had this in his bag i knew he was like somewhat decent but 40 percent from behind the arc is absolutely amazing for julius Randle. he is having a hell of a season and on the defensive end, the Knicks are hounds, giving up the least amount of points in the NBA. Least. Less than the Clippers, the Lakers, the Jazz. They are giving up the least amount of points, the lowest field goal percentage allowed, the lowest three-point percentage allowed, and fourth in rebounds per game. So That's Tim's, though. We know that's, that's Tim's. Yeah. It's definitely but, Tibbs. However, on the offensive end, they're the complete opposite compared to their defense. They're <laughs> dead last in points per game, second Makes last sense. in assists per game and their bottom 10 in field goal percentage. So like you're saying, Corey, you can really tell that this team is being coached by Tom Thibodeau based on those two stats right there. But uh, I I can tell you that the front office is finally making good decisions. Like they knew that they were struggling on the offensive end and who do they go out and get Derek Rose, who can, who can definitely help their offensive struggles off the bench. But the main thing for this team, if they want to be successful is they need more from their wing players. Their centers down low, they have Mitchell Robinson and they have New Noel who aren't obviously amazing, but they're they'll they'll suffice and then obviously you have Julius Randle and then at the point guard position yeah Derek Rose Alfred Payton and then but but the wings Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox they're not really living up to their hypes when they were drafted given Obi Toppin did miss the beginning of the season and he is still a rookie so I'll give him a pass but I'm not gonna say that I'm not disappointed I did expect more from him this, <laughs> this uh season but um that de- But for that Obi Toppin's pick, the Knicks definitely made it up with Emmanuel K- quickly, who they drafted late in the first round, who is absolutely hooping. He's averaging 12 a game, which is fifth best amongst this rookie class. And he doesn't even start. Some of these rookies are starting and putting up those numbers. He doesn't even start and he's putting up those numbers so but for the Knicks definitely looking like a trend in the right direction finally but um they they have a solid young core with these group of guys uh that they can build their team around and they've definitely surprised the hell out of me and have made me eat my words this season let's move on we got disappointing teams this
1: season so far Corey who's your most disappointing team uh, it has to be the Washington wizards. I felt like this team was going to be, uh, fighting for a playoff spot, at least bare minimum, get the seed. Um, and they're in the basement right now. And it, and the funny thing is, is, I should have seen it coming because of the fact that, you know, it is the wizards, but at the same time, when you had a guy like Russell Westbrook, and then you also have uh, a guy like Bradley Beal, who we already have anointed as, you know, this year, he's finally going to get that all-star nod. Um, I feel like those two got to get you to at least bare minimum, a playoff spot. And now even with the playoffs expanding, I'm like, yo, they're going to be in, they're going to be fighting for potentially to get in at least, but no, they have, they have been really bad because they're, they just have a bad team overall. And it's funny because they've beaten teams like the Nets, like the Lakers of recent. And I'm like, how are they beating these teams? And they're so bad, but it just makes no it, i don't know their team is just a weird one to me because overall the makeup of that team is literally Bradley Bill Go Get 30 Russ contribute as well and anybody else if you can if you can figure anything out <laughs> I love that
0: Russ contribute
1: as well <laughs> <laughs> anybody else if you could figure out anything else and come up with anything we would love to see it but <laughs>
0: I mean, it, it definitely doesn't help <laughs> gray area. that it, it does. Just... It definitely doesn't help that Thomas Bryant ties, is out for the yeah. season. But no, it doesn't. I, I would say I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised, just because there's no defense on this team. I said this in no. the preseason. There's absolutely no defense, and I thought they were overhyped. But then again, I did not think that they would be this bad. I thought they still would have been like you were saying, at least fighting for like that ten through eight seed through seven seed or whatever it I is. Mean, so I mean, it's but. I mean, on the bright side, they're on a five-game win streak right now. So maybe th- things can turn around for this team and because uh, they're trending in the right direction.
1: Exactly. I mean, maybe it'll turn around, but I don't know. And, and I don't know. I mean, I feel like uh, we need to, like – probably the worst thing in the world was the fact that Russell Russell got traded to this team for uh, their rookie that they drafted, uh, Denny, because, I mean, he's a good playmaker overall. But I, I just I, – I don't know if he – would have more so been able to get a lot more shine if like russell Westbrook wasn't there but i don't know i,
0: I think I, he's still he's still very young i actually like very I, I like denny's uh potential i, I yeah, actually his really potential
1: do. is very high but i just like i feel like he needs like a few yeah few, maybe like at least two more like this year and next year and yeah. then this third year we got to see something out of him because i could definitely so far, see it, i though. feel like he's a project right now
0: yeah um for my honestly this was a hard one for most disappointing teams because there's been a lot of disappointing teams I mean you have the Miami Heat you have the New Orleans Pelicans but I'm gonna go with the Dallas Mavericks this season from being the third highest scoring team last season to being 17th the Mavs are struggling and it's not even on the offensive side it's on both sides of the ball and you could tell because they're currently fourteen and fifteen, ninth in the Western Conference. When I thought, I think both of us had them as top four seed in the Western Conference. So I mean, it's they're they're struggling offensively. This is where they rank seventeenth in points per game. Like I said, twenty fifth in three point percentage and twenty sixth in assists. And you think that having Luka Doncic, those assistant three point numbers would be skyrocketing, but Luka's really doing all he can to carry this team offensively. But their offense. Is reminding me so much of the James Harden Rockets, where it's just a lot of isolation for Luca. Just let him play one on one, drive and kick, or just drive step back three or or kick it out to Porzingis, who's literally five feet behind the three point line, chucking up three pointers. So, I mean, I mean, that offense would for sure work. But when your offense is you have to be shooting better than 35% from three pointers because they're attempting the seventh most in the NBA. And they're not converting them as an efficient rate and that's why they're struggling so much and then Porzingis obviously missing the beginning of the season definitely hurt them but then he started to come around he's one of the best big man shooters in the league but he is not the same as he used to be because two knee injuries a meniscus and uh, ACL he he's you could definitely tell he's being shy from going up in that paint and that's kind of making him one-dimensional as just a shooter Um, so it, it, it's tough and there's also been trade rumors about christoph porzingis mark cuban shut him down real quick saying there's no trade rumors but we'll yeah. see and then uh defensively they ranked they gave up the eighth most points per game they had the second least rebounds they had the fourth least uh steals and committing the six most fouls per game so defensively they're not looking good especially when you look at their offseason like trades that they made seth curry for josh richardson from the sixers
1: that's looking like a terrible move right now
0: i honestly thought it was one of the better underrated moves made this offseason but josh richardson is not producing for them on either sides of the ball like even if he wasn't shooting well you think he'd be great on the defensive end given he's been an all defensive player and he's just he's just not doing and then you have role players like
1: same since miami to be honest with you yeah in miami
0: and role players like Dorian, Finney Smith, Maxi Kleba, James Johnson, Dwight Powell, they've all lacked this step-up on both sides on offense and defense. And it honestly makes teams, uh, it makes it easier for opposing teams to kind of focus solely on Luca and Porzingis. So the and the main thing that I said when we were talking about um uh places for andre drummond to land is they lack that paint presence and and that's why i mentioned that they should be a team that goes after andre drummond because he's the guy who can protect the paint somewhat and who can crash the glass and kind of help attract more um players inside the paint so they can kick it out for wide open three so i mean and and then another thing that I think would definitely help the Dallas Mavericks is another ball handler. I think they lack another ball handler. Yeah, you have Trey Burke, you have Jalen Brunson who are great guards, but they're score first mentalities and just the two of them together are averaging five assists a game. So, I mean, getting another ball handler I think definitely will take the pressure off Luka and allow the offense to flow more smoothly when he's when he's off the court. So, it's tough because right now the Luca's is doing all he can, but it's the role players who are really struggling to help this team, both on both sides of the court. And honestly, I feel like nobody's on this team is safe in terms of trade talks, unless your name is Luka
1: Doncic. Yeah. And it's funny that you said that, like, this is reminding you of like the James Harden. I'm like, I've been saying it since maybe last season, but when is ESPN just going to say that Luka Doncic is James Harden, but he's European. Like, Luka Doncic is the European James Harden. Like, he absolutely plays the same way. Just slower. He just plays slower than Harden. Harden's not athletic like a freak, but Luke is like, slower than James Harden. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, he gets buckets. Don't get me wrong. It's just that. Yeah, it's not an
0: insult at I'm all. I'm
1: still, I'm still, the jury's still out for me as far as, like, I need to, I don't before we like want to say that he's the next this, the next that, I get he's young and he's got so much time to be able to develop. I mean, this could be a situation where this could end up being a James Harden situation if the Mavericks don't surround him with the complementary pieces to put him in a position where he can actually compete. Because this could be another James Harden situation with the Rockets. This can be an Anthony Davis situation with the, uh, the Pelicans, where if you don't surround these guys with, complimentary pieces to help them be able to win a championship or just like not even win but just be in the conversation to win like the Mavericks right now I wouldn't put them anywhere near the conversation of being trying to win a championship right now and like I know that like I said Luke is still young but I mean how how many years are you gonna let go by Mark Cuban where you look up and it's like now Luke is over here requesting a trade or something like that
0: yeah, I mean, and speaking, of my preseason predictions look bad because I had Luca winning MVP and Rick Carlisle winning too. Coach of the Year. So but
1: I did say don't sleep on Dame. So I was like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely. I tough, feel like though. he'll get
1: some votes though. Uh, if he's able to get them into a playoff spot, absolutely though, he'll get some votes.
0: I think it'd have to be at least top five in the Western Conference, but it's a steep trail for the Mavericks to climb. Unless he just averages 50 for the
1: rest of the season.
0: (laughs) All right, let's move on. Enough of NBA. We got NFL. uh, Carson Wentz. Traded first domino to fall this off season in the quarterback carousel. He was traded from the Eagles to the Colts for a 2021 third round pick, a 2022 conditional second round pick. And that second round pick can turn into a first round pick next season. If Wentz plays 75% of the Colts snaps next year, or if Wentz plays 70% of the snaps and the Colts make the playoffs. But Corey, get this after the Wentz trade, not a single quarterback drafted in the first round from 2009 to 2016 are still with their original team. That's 22 quarterbacks within that eight year span that are not on their original team. That mm-hmm. I don't know that's insane to just think about. Cause I mean, you think of first round quarterbacks that are taken, those are supposed to be your franchise players. So I mean, a lot to. of them have struck out, <laughs> but let's talk about what are your thoughts on this trade and uh, the winners and losers of this trade?
1: Well, I feel like Carson Wentz is a winner in the fact that he's going to a better team. He's going to a better organization. He's going to a team in the Colts that need a quarterback because of Phillip Rivers retiring, have still been searching for a replacement for Andrew Luck since the day he retired. And I feel like partnering up Frank Wright with Carson Wentz you're banking pretty much on that relationship blossoming back to a la, what was it, 2015, where he was a MVP candidate. 2017. So, I mean, yeah, 2017, where he was an MVP candidate. So, I mean, you, you're hoping that Carson Wentz will go back to that old Carson Wentz of playing well and hopefully staying injury free. But you got to, with all that cap space, you got to make sure you get that line right. You got to get that line right. If you're the Colts, you got to make sure that that line is looking impenetrable. Because so, the so, the moment that Carson Wentz gets hurt, everybody's going to be like, well, look, see? like That was a dumb trade. But you look at what they gave up, Kush. I mean, it, it's not that risky. To be honest with you, it's not, it's not that risky at all. And the fact that Philly had to settle for what they had to settle for in order to give up Wentz, I get, you know, addition by subtraction, pretty much this was a fire cell. I thought originally when they fired Doug Peterson, they were siding with Carson Wentz, but they were said, the hell with that. We getting rid of everybody getting rid of Carson Wentz, getting rid of uh Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Watson. I mean, Deshaun uh, Jackson, excuse me. We getting rid of, uh, Doug Peterson is the head coach. We are completely rebuilding. Scrap it all. We just gonna start from the ground up. But the sad part is, is that you trade wins and you have to deal with all that dead cap space that you now have to... They're like one of the worst teams as far as cap space. They are like the the 31st team and they have to make up like $37 million that they're going to have to like shelf off in order to be under the cap. So... I don't know how they're going to be able to do it, but now there's now they're saying, the Eagles are saying that they're going to look at a quarterback. So I'm like, man, Jalen Hurts doesn't even get a chance to be able to relax and be like, all right, I'm the starter of this rebuilding team. It's like no faith whatsoever in you, buddy. It's like, we're on to the next one. So, so they're going to try to get another quarterback out the draft and potentially ruin him. So I'm like, I feel like Carson Wentz is a winner here. The Colts could potentially be a winner here, depending on how Carson Wentz plays. And the Eagles right now, at this very point, look bad just because of their entire organization and their situation of how things have played out. It was very toxic between Wentz and Peterson. They weren't speaking with each other. And Wentz was audible And yes, I understand Carson Wentz has not looked the same since he's been hurt. He's had some very, very, very disappointing seasons, including last season. And he's looked like a shell of himself, a shell of a shell of himself. And you're, you're, you're pretty much just like, look, we'll cut our losses and we'll get rid of this guy. But man, to eat up all that dead cap, it's pretty much as a consequence of giving him that massive contract. It's like, dang, Philly. It wasn't too long ago that you were lifting a Lombardi and now it's like, bro, y'all, y'all, y'all are like one of the worst cap teams. Y'all getting rid of your star players. And then you can bring another young quarterback into this situation with this rebuilding squad. Buddy, good luck.
0: Yeah, I'm on the same boat with you. I think Carson Wentz, but I also think the Colts are winners as well too. Uh, Like you said, Carson Wentz is going to a better team and he's going to a better offensive line. I think the Colts have one of the best offensive line the last two years. They've given up the, uh, I think like, top three in the least sacks given up uh so I mean that's great news if you're Carson Wentz you're like all right I finally have an O-line that can protect me and then yeah Frank Wright was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles when Wentz had that MVP season so I think it's a big win for both of them and I think for the Colts I mean like you said, you're, they solved. They may have solved their QB problem after Rivers retired. They didn't give up a crazy amount of picks or uh, a lot of players or whatever it may be. And you get a quarterback who's still only twenty eight years old. He's not old by any means. So I think definitely the the Colts walked away with this because um, when Frank Wright was the offensive coordinator, Wentz went eleven and two as a starting quarterback with him. So definitely interesting to see. Um, how the Colts and Wentz do, but Eagles, yeah. Do do you remember what the Eagles gave up to draft Carson Wentz in the 2016 draft? They traded 13, Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso for the number eight pick for the Dolphins. And then they traded the eighth pick in the draft, the uh, 2016 third round and fourth round pick, a 2017 first round pick and a 2018 second round round pick pick for the number two overall pick where they took Wentz from the Browns. And these, some of these picks turned into Jack Conklin, who it made the all-pro team last year. Mm-hmm. Laramie Tunsil, who's a great left tackle. And, oh, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> so, I mean, th- then again, you could say, screw it. I mean, we took our losses, but it was all worth it because we got a Super Bowl out of it, even though Wentz didn't really do it they for them. It was, the it, yeah, it was Nick Foles who did it. But, I mean, so you could say, screw it, it was worth it. We got our franchises for a Super Bowl, but... Their return for Wentz, I don't think it was that great, but it wasn't bad. Because basically, it's Wentz was sitting on your bench. You weren't gonna go forward with him, so at least you have the opportunity to get a first round pick if he decides to play. But it'd be absolutely hilarious if he's at like sixty nine percent snaps played, and the Colts are about to make the playoffs. (laughs) And the Colts are just like, nope, bench him. So (laughs) we'll give you that second round. We're not gonna give it the first. (laughs) No, I doubt they do that. But that'd be Uh, Uh that would
1: be funny though
0: but yeah so i mean basically for a backup qb you get a third round pick this year and then you get a second round pick which could turn into a first round pick last year but like you said the biggest reason why i think it's a loss for the eagles is 34 million dollars cap hit from trading Wentz. like absolutely disgusting and they potentially may not even get a first rounder out of that so they basically. You can't even call it – I mean, you could somewhat call it a salary dump, but it definitely had its consequences with doing that as well. But at the same time, you could also say it is a winner because – that the Eagles just completely hit the rebuild button, whether they decide to go with Jalen Hurts or whether they decide to go with another quarterback, which I don't think they should. I think they should rock with Jalen Hurts, but we'll see. um Howie
1: Roseman, man. Howie Roseman's being crazy. Yeah, like, we'll,
0: we'll see what happens. But that Philly definitely hit the rebuild button, and it kind of sucks right now, given the state that the NFC East is in right now, where it's kind of up for grabs right now, because we don't know what's going to happen with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys as of right now. And then the Washington football team, I mean, I like them. I think they're trending upwards, but then again, you may never know. And then the uh, Giants are the Giants and the Eagles are the Eagles. So we'll we'll see. Cause, but it, it's just a tough time to press the rebuild button, given how open the NFC East is right now. Yeah. All right. And then last but not least, we're talking about J.J. Watt, which about a week and a half ago, the Texans and J.J. Watt mutually agreed to part ways after 10 seasons on the texans and the future hall of famer was probably the best defensive player in franchise history first of all he's one of three players in nfl history to win the defense player of the year three times with lawrence taylor and aaron donald who just became part of that club this year and here's jj watt's resume five first team all pros three defensive player of the Years. like i said over 100 sacks four seasons where he had 15 or more sacks and he made the 2010s all decade team which was voted by the pro football hall of fame so i mean this guy had an illustrious career but injuries have always been a problem with jj watt's career but he still is 31 and i think he has some juice left in the tank so where do you think jj watt is going to sign with this offseason Corey?
1: well he's already made it known that he wants to be with a contending team so and depending on obviously cap and obviously depending on the type of deal he's looking for, I'm not really, I'm thinking he's probably going to do like maybe like a one year sort of thing Um, just because, or maybe he does like maybe a multi-year deal. I think he's going to do a multi-year deal. Yeah, probably maybe like a two or three year deal, depending on how long he thinks he has left. But I could really honestly see a team that really needs uh, some help on the defensive side of the ball in the seattle seahawks and going after him now i'm not I, i'm sure a lot of people be like i mean they just traded for jamal adams and you look at like the way that uh i almost said westbrook russell wilson is complaining right now about the old line uh you really don't need to get another pass rusher in there but i'm like hey what did what helped the Seahawks become the Seahawks and help them win that first Super Bowl? It was the fact that they had a top tier defense, and that was the makeup of a, of their head coach Pete Carroll. He is a defensive guy who loves to have his defense in the right, uh, right place. And then he had a, a young rookie quarterback in Russell Wilson on a nice team friendly deal, and they do have the cash space to be able to take him on if he wants to have a multi year deal. And also, you look at the division th- that they're in, where the 49ers, when they if they get healthy, they could be competitive. Um, the Rams are going to be competitive after trading for Stafford. Uh, and then also you can't forget about the Cardinals, who are going to be competitive as well. So, I mean, you really can't in the NFC uh West, you really can't take the, the foot off the gas pedal if you feel you're right there to potentially win a Super Bowl. And the Seahawks are every year in the conversation with the guy like Russell Wilson, you would figure they're right there to be challenging for a super bowl it's just that for all the the hoopla they made about that trade for jamal adams their defense was one of the worst in the league so you added jj watt to get pressure on the quarterback you can have jamal adams not have to uh be a blitzing safety and you can have him kind of stay back a little bit to be able to be in coverage and then you just uh fill out the offensive line and then lo and behold whether it's via the draft or whether it's via free agency with your all with your o-line you get you try to just make russell wilson not have to run for his life like mahomes was in the super bowl and you you appease that and then you get a, a a jj watt in because there's two things that you that are so valuable in the nfl that's the quarterback position and also that's the pass rushing position on the defensive side of the ball and also the third one i would probably say is like you always mentioned, kush is the middle linebacker position and i feel like if you have a guy like jj watt that can just even if he's drawing double teams even if he's um not getting like a ton of sacks or getting a ton of pressure on the quarterback he's going to always try to get there and he's always going to be um applying that pressure and in like i said in this division you need somebody like that and i feel like the seahawks are going to be one of those teams gunning for a jj watt so they can help this very much abysmal defense that needs the help of a jj watt
0: that would be a good team. Um, team I'm gonna go with is the Buffalo Bills. I think after making the AFC Championship game, the Bills are in fully, completely in win now mode because they know they can get it done. And they, when it comes to team sacks and pressure, they were in the middle of the pack of the NFL. So I mean, if if you want to be a Super Bowl contender, you can't you can't be middle of the pack right now. So um, they can use Watt either as an inside rusher or edge rusher and trent murphy is going to be a free agent so they're definitely losing uh, a guy who would be i'm not saying he's on walt's level but that's where jj Watt can fill his spot and i think another edge rusher just because mario addison and jerry hughes they're getting up there in age but they're still good enough to where like if he was on the seahawks he'd be the sole edge ed rusher and would need to be in there every single play if they want to make an impact but on the buffalo bills Watt can take a couple plays off and you still have uh very capable edge rushers and I think if Watt does sign I think it's going to be somewhere around a 3-year deal cuz I think he still wants some secure financial security just because I-, I don't know I could just this is just me speculating but I definitely think that it could be a high risk high reward because of that but and if you do do the three years, I think you want to, given his durability, you want to try to save him as much as you can. So that's why he would be a good fit with this team. And I, he's he's still one of the top pass rushers in this league as of right now. It's just Ooh. health is the big thing. Yeah. And in a conference where you have Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, pass rushers are so important, like you mentioned, to contain those quarterbacks and that, that can make plays with their legs. So... I think the Bills are going to be a good fit for him. It just depends on how much he wants and how long the contract is. But I don't see why the Bills wouldn't go for it because they're in full win now mode.
1: Yeah, especially they should go for it because their AFC East rivals, New England Patriots, have like over sixty something million dollars in cap space, and they could just be like, "Hey, you don't want him? We'll take JJ Watt." Because you know, Bill Belichick, after the season they had when they go seven and nine, and they had to watch their uh, former franchise quarterback Tom Brady won a Super Bowl you know they have like over 60 million dollars in cap space that is not that is not an accident that just doesn't happen like that he's gonna be out there trying to they're already planning on who they're gonna get as their quarterback replacement for Cam Newton what they're gonna do with the offensive line what they're gonna do as far as weapons they're already in reloading mode I wouldn't say the Patriots are gonna rebuild they're in reloading mode because they're about to get the they're they emptied their bullets in the chamber with Brady, and they already loading up right now trying to get some more bullets in that gun, bro, because I know the Patriots right now are being quiet. That's what they love like to do, sneaky. <laughs> Slow and sneaky wins the race in New England. Yeah, well, we'll see, because I don't
0: know if New England is definitely a contender. And I know, like you said, he wants to go to a contending team since he's on the latter part of his career. So we'll he see. He did
1: say that because somebody asked him on Twitter, like, yo, when are you going to sign? And he was like, yo, I can't make a decision on as far as ordering food at a restaurant. So it's going to take me a long time to figure mm-hmm. out what new city and the new be- team I want to go to."
0: The best part of this whole sweepstakes <laughs> is he's posting random pictures and making like all <laughs> the fans speculate, like he posted a picture of his dogs or something, and the Browns fans were like, oh, dog pound. Let's go. He's coming to the Browns. <laughs> so it's like, and then in, the, in like another picture, he had like blue roses or something. And then Bills are like, oh, blue. He's coming to the Bills. Let's oh my go. God. So, I mean, he's he's towing with the fans right now. And it, it's absolutely a joy to watch just because he, I mean, he is one of the hot commodities in the free agent market. So it will be interesting where he lands and how much of an effect he can give a team. But Other than that, that's gonna wrap it up for this episode of the Nosebleeds. Make sure you guys are following us on social media, on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S-Bleeds. Instagram, the nosebleeds, Facebook. Look up the nosebleeds podcast and on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you're listening to, give us a five-star rating, really helps us out.
1: Corey, any last words? Man, dude, all-star weekend is about to come up really soon. And then we it's still about to be got, March already. We got March already in 2021. Uh, March Madness might be around the corner too. I'm like, yo. We got to
0: talk spring. baseball too because 2021 spring, spring is, coming is coming out up.
1: of nowhere. And baseball season is about to be right around the corner. Can anybody knock off the Dodgers? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see.
0: We shall see. Other than that, we out. Deuces.